everybody back for another hour of the chicken looking hour we have a first time guest today um but his wife said he would be great on here because he loves to talk so <laughs> uh we got the homie uh louis v <laughs> that's what we're gonna call you we got louis v in the building uh how's it going my brother everything's going good man just get glory to god and uh yeah Louis v, I like Sound like you winning a uh, winning an award. I just want to give glory to God. Uh, thank you for helping me do this tour and for creating this album. <laughs> I mean, I did win the award. I'm here. I won. True that. True that. You sound a little bit lower than you was, bro. Let me see something. How about now? Oh, yeah, there. yeah, there you go. Okay. Um, how's everything going on your side, my brother? Now nah, everything's going good. Everything's going good, man. So we always like to start out with a, a segment, uh, minimize your fucks. Basically, where are you at mentally? What are you doing to uh, to not go crazy? You know, to make sure you're not giving too many fucks out when you shouldn't be giving. <laughs> yeah, so what I started doing is just um, more so meditating. So just uh, making sure that my mental space is, is correct. Um, also looking into some counseling as well. Like, yeah. So, you know, I'm in marriage counseling right now, my wife, um, you know, the, I'm very spiritual, um, Christian. So, you know, in the Bible it says that, um, your plans will be established with a multitude of counselors. So I take that very literally. So there's people that, that are built to help. And for me, I'm not a, a, a nine to five. So I got all these things going on. So for me, the way that I, I keep my sanity is I need a team around me. Like, yeah. you know, they got some people that can do it all by themselves, you know, or they say they can. For me, I need a team, right? Because I know what my weaknesses are. I know what my strengths are. So I build my team around my weaknesses so that they can, you know, help me out there. And then I could also help them out as well. So, you know, those are the areas that that's that's how I keep my my sanity. and. Yeah. And minimize the the F's as you say. <laughs> Word up. I like how you're talking about the multitude of counselors, though, because like, especially in our culture, and especially a lot of Christians, they're like, "What you going to therapy for? Just pray, just talk to God." And it's like we pick and choose which like scriptures to follow when it's like clear in there saying like you should have several counselors and not just depend on like your wife or your father or you know I'm putting all that pressure on them when they don't deserve to put all that pressure on them all the time. Yeah, I agree. And like, especially like in the black community, it's, it's when I was growing up, they didn't talk about no counselors. They didn't talk about counseling. They didn't talk about therapy, none of that, you know, and as a man, you're not supposed to cry. You're not supposed to do all this. So you got all these bottled up emotions and stuff. And Bro. then <laughs> you start to have kids and man, all, to me, all that stuff went out the window. Like I got my kids. I tell them I love them. Um, I, I hug them. I kiss them. Uh, so, you know, people can say, you, you know, you're not a manly man, but all of that is out the window. I'm trying to be a sane man, you know, <laughs> and, a, and a kingdom man at that too. So like, there's all these different expectations that the world has on us. Um, there's also expectations that we have from reading the Bible, but I think reading the Bible correctly and yeah. the way that God intended for it to be is something that's, that's needed, you know? Um, but yeah, like mental health physical health, they're all uh, interrelated. 
and it's very very important that, that we need to keep on like keep on that yeah it's um it's wild to think about that because like literally when we was growing up like you really it's like it was a taboo word like mental health or they just not that boy crazy don't worry about him like they'll just call you crazy and then you realize most of us we all had some stuff going on with us especially mentally growing up and especially in our culture and you just like I understand why my like my father and my mother was tired all the time and stuff like and I get it there's certain things that they did differently from when us growing up that we're not going to do with our children moving forward but I get the way they the way they were like my father would work 12 and 14 hour days like he's gone from 5 a.m to 6 p.m and 7 p.m in the evening and then they would come home and have to cook dinner or have to deal with me getting in trouble at school, hearing voicemails from my teacher or something about me acting up. Like I, I, I'm yeah, not gonna, yeah. I'm not gonna whoop my kids, but I get why, why, why I got whoopings. Like I, I, I totally understand it. So I'm not one of those. I'll never do any of that that my parents did. But I get it. I, I, I get it. They was tired. Yeah, I, I could, I could imagine that. And for me, you know, my dad died at an early age. Like I was ten when he died. So my mom was thrown in a position where she had to be a, a single parent and raising me, um, my sister, who's five years younger, and then my brother, who's 10 years younger than me. You know, and I said I died when uh, my dad died when I was 10. So my brother hadn't even been born yet. Mm. You know? And we grew up in New York City. So there was a lot of like temptations. There's a lot of I was, uh, I, I wasn't a not so good kid. Like I, you know, like I ended up going to Cornell, Syracuse University, but I didn't start out that way. So my mom, when when all the whippings I got, I deserved them. <laughs> word, word up. <laughs> I, I tell you that straight up. Like I, I deserved them. Um, but it's just it's it's different. It's different now, man. It's different now because now we know more about like how the brain works. Now we, we should know more about how, you know, to raise our kids. Like, I'm not gonna say I ain't gonna beat my kids. Well, yeah, I'm not he gonna- He doesn't mean them. abuse. He doesn't mean abuse. You I ain't know. gonna abuse them. <laughs> I ain't gonna abuse them. But hey, that's where you talk about picking scriptures. It's that spare the rod. I ain't sparing no rods over here. I tell you that right now. <laughs> Word up. That's hilarious. What do you think is something you feel like is probably harder now to raise kids because there's so many things like now we know we have we have way more knowledge than our parents did which makes it easier but what do you, would you say is probably harder now i think for me it's one i ain't never been a parent before right like so when i was a kid now the roles have reversed like when i was a kid i was like yo why is my mom doing all this stuff mm-hmm. now i'm a parent and it's like i'm gonna raise this kid in this environment like there's too much crazy stuff going on here. And then they have so much access to the world. You know, they have access, like take for instance, pornography. When I was a kid, you know, I had to like sneak to do that joint. You had to search for it hard. Exactly. I had to search for it hard. I'm telling you some hard search. (laughs) (laughs) But now like they're on TikTok and I'm, I looked at TikTok the other day. I'm like, yo, what's she doing? I'm like, I'm going to be watching this, man. This is not, Nah, you know, but if I was a kid, it'll be like, oh, what's going on here? Next, mm-hmm. you know, keep swiping. So like the, the access to all of this like imagery, yeah. you know, things is very difficult to protect your child. And at the same time, you don't want to be uh, like, I don't want to be an overprotective parent and I don't want to just let them go out as well. 
right? Yeah. So it's finding that balance, uh, raising them correctly. Raising it's them just like it's, uh, like it's hard to not be an overprotective parent because they have access to so much now. Like you said, when we was younger, it, like just with porn, you really had, I remember me and my homeboy trying to sneak on his father's computer, download internet, and then it's buffering for crazy. The internet wasn't strong back then. And then you just yeah. didn't even know what to search for. Now you get on Twitter, it's right. I could just imagine if I'm a 13 year old kid and how easy I can just get on Twitter. And like, especially if my parents don't know much about the internet or whatever, like they don't know what the hell I could be looking at. So it seems like it would be hard not to be overprotective. Yeah, no, I think it would be, but I think um, the role of every parent is to raise adults, right? Like raise their children to the level of adults and have them be able to make decisions for themselves. Cause you can't be a parent forever. I mean, like technically well, you are a parent forever, <laughs> right? I know but, what you mean. Yeah, you can't parent them forever. There you, go. you know, you can't be over them and always watching at a certain point they need to be able to go out into the world and make decisions for themselves. And like when, like, how do you do that? So that they're not like me. When I went to college, it was over. Like yeah. I I went to, to Alfred State College, which is a seven and a half hour drive from New York City. I didn't want nothing, I didn't want to be next to my mom at all. Right. Oh, so you was mom. one of those trying to get further away. Trying. I went. <laughs> well, you went further away, yes, correct. <laughs> yeah, my mom, you know, Nigerian mother, very strict. You know, I again I had a lot of responsibilities put on me uh at an early age. So I couldn't really do nothing. Right. So when I went to college, man, my first semester GPA was a 1.41. Right. I was that boy said I'm about to have a good time. <laughs> man. I'm telling you, I played football. I, uh, I I partied Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, right? And, and play football. And play football. God yeah. dang. So you already know there was no there was no schoolwork in there. Hell no. What time did you have for schoolwork? <laughs> and then on top of that, like when I went to school, I didn't I didn't know that you had to study. I I went to an inner city school, New York City, Evander Childs High School. At the time, that was probably like the third worst high school in in the bronx right so for for me studying was just making sure that you stay you, you went to the test you see what i'm saying like you went to the test to take it so i just took that that same study habits to school so i'm like all right i ain't got to go to class and my first school that i went to it was like if you they had an attendance policy i didn't read no syllabus because i didn't even know what that was so they had an attendance policy if you miss five classes they they can fail you Right. Yeah. So like, I I think I got D's and everything because I, I just never went to class except for the test days. I showed up on the test. I, I did well. I think, you know, I got above a 75 on the, out of 100. And I'm like, yo, why do I get an F and a D if I'm passing these classes? Passing the test. They're like, go look at the syllabus. I'm like, what's that got to do with the class? <laughs> <laughs> what's that got to do with the prostitute in China? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So there was a, you know, and then there was a huge cultural shock too. So like yeah. all of these things come into play, but you know, eventually I got, you know, again, it's that team and that counseling. I got the right people in my corner and really learned this, the schooling game, you know? So, so yeah, that's, that's where, that's where it took me. It took me out of school. And then now I feel like there's another game, a secret game that we got to learn as well. Um, for me, it's the career game. Like at the at, at the heart of things, I'm an entrepreneur, right? But I'm also a realist. Like entrepreneurship right now, 
um, I own a business. Uh, and we, I could talk about that later. Um, I own a business and, with a partner. But at the end of the day, the business itself, it, it needs money for itself to grow. So that's why I also have uh, a nine to five so I can take care of my family. You know, and there's that's that game that we got to learn of the career game. Like, how do you, because that's not actually taught in school. You know, we just learn the technical aspects of it, but not the social aspects of it. But, um, but yeah, yeah. Plus, it's, it's so we was talking about how it's harder to not be a, a not to overparent and all that. And then you now bring up entrepreneurship. It's like there's so many ways where entrepreneurship is easier now, but then there's ways that it's harder because now it's easier to start a business, which means a lot more people are going to do it. And now the market becomes oversaturated with a lot of businesses. And then you have all the people that's all trying to do the same type of business. Everybody's yeah, yeah. doing the same five to 10 different things. And then you have everybody else trying to tell you, quit your job, quit working for the man, you need to be an entrepreneur. So then folk just quit their job, just depending on their entrepreneurship and not realizing you have to find a way to fund everything. Just use your full-time job to do that. But, and then on the other end, one more thing, you have this the blind leading the blind on social media. You have all these people that's trying to teach business courses just because they was able to start selling a bunch of t-shirts or something. But that doesn't mean you know how to teach a business course for someone's doing something totally different than what you've done. Yeah, and I, I think I have a very different perspective when it comes down to like business and entrepreneurship and stuff like that. Cause like, you know, a couple of my friends say that like, I don't like to take risks. And I'm like, yeah, cause to me, risk is stupid, right? <laughs> like everything in life is risky. Like driving a car, I think Robert Kiyosaki has said driving a car is risky. But the reason you don't feel like it's a risk is because you know how to drive a car. So knowledge and understanding actually um, reduces risk. Say so, again, it, it cut out for a second. You said after you, because you know how to drive a car. Correct. And I said, um, knowledge and understanding reduces risk. Okay. So the more you know about a specific area reduces the amount of risk it is to you. And this new wave of everybody taking ownership and wanting to start entrepreneurship, things like that. I love it. At the same time, and know what business is. Like, it's cool to say, oh, I'm the CEO of my company. But if your company is making a dollar, like, what's the point of even putting that title on there? Right. Like, get the knowledge first. Um, I'm, I'm not saying not start it. I'm saying start it smartly or, you know, more wisely. So if you have a nine to five, don't just quit it. And then just jump into entrepreneurship, especially if you have a family, right? Mm. Like, you know, hedge your bets, stay mm. in your nine to five and start the side business. You see what I'm saying? And I actually am a big proponent of having a small business, you know, starting a small business because of all the tax benefits uh, of that. You know, like right off the bat, I could, I, I could probably save anybody, probably $15,000 just by simply opening up a small business. Right. And the tax benefits from that. So I think it's really important to, to just understand that like there's there's two different games that we're playing. There's the working game, your career, and then there's the entrepreneurship um, game and being a business owner. You know, and I believe that the, the, the goal of everyone should be to be able to take care of themselves with their personal resources. Like, so assets that you you um, accumulated over the years should be able to take care of you, not the government, you know, <laughs> not no social security, you know, 
you need to be able to to gather up enough assets so that you can retire and retiring retiring is not an age people saying oh i'm going to retire when i'm 65 yeah what if you ain't got no money or if you ain't got no money in your pension or your 401k or whatever like retiring is not an, an age it's a number yeah so um so the career game the entrepreneurship game but also the wealth game you know the financial literacy and that's actually something that I'm a big proponent of is really understanding and teaching financial literacy to you know our people because I feel like I don't know there's a there's a lot man like when I get to talk to Trini about this uh, that's my wife it, it's a lot because in school I I really think the school system should be changed because why are you teaching me about how to color and what primary colors are and things like this and you don't teach me about debt. I get yeah. into school and I'm 18 years old. You don't let me drink, but you allow me to commit financial suicide by giving me $200,000 worth of debt to go to school for four years. But you don't tell me what that debt is, right. right? You don't tell me how to buy a house. Like you don't teach me these things, these life things. You don't teach me how to set goals. Like, I didn't learn how to write a, just to write a damn check. Like just understand how to write a check. Like you should learn that in school. And I didn't even learn that basic stuff. Yeah. So like you have um, another gap in our society because, you know, my kids are going to know that because I know that. Right. So you have one section of the society that that their parents are teaching their kids because their parents know. Right. And they have that that privilege. And now you have another group of people like me. We didn't talk about finance. We didn't talk about money growing mm -hmm. up. You know, it was. It was, it was yeah, it's a, yeah, it's a lot. Yeah. So I think that all of the people that say that they're entrepreneurs, they want to help, they want to do this, they want to do that. The biggest way to help is to actually help, not just complain about it, but actually mm -hmm. do something about it. Like, what are you actually doing in your community? You know, are you going down to the local middle and high schools and teaching them these things, teaching them math, you know, things like that, things that you wish that you would have known, you know? And for me, it's, it's, again, it's that financial literacy piece. Um, and my business, it, it gives people money. Right. We're a funding company. So we fund entrepreneurs, business owners and real estate investors who are interested in starting real estate, trucking, like any type of business. And it's based on your personal credit. So if you come and you have bad credit, we help you. We fix your credit for free and then we put you through the program so you could get funding. That's dope. Because uh, credit, boy. <laughs> we didn't learn nothing about that growing up. Like you said, man, I'm 18 going to college and yeah, the government's yeah. so willing to give me $100,000 to me, that shouldn't be on me to pay you back. You was the dumb one and decided to just go ahead and this kid who none of his family ever went to college before him except his sister, straight out the hood in Louisville, knows nothing about financial literacy. I don't know about like colleges, to be honest. I didn't know anything about student loans. Like, like I had family members and friend and loved ones in church. Just take them loans out, baby. Like, what what kind of advice was that? But at 18, I'm like, okay. I, I felt like some singer from the 60s that was just signing any record deal. Just like, okay, Mr. Motown, like yeah, I'm just yeah. signing a record deal and throwing my whole who knew that the next 20 year, my next 20, 30 years of your life, you got to deal with this shit or for the rest of your life of the average American. Yeah, that ain't gonna be me. I'll tell you that right now. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like, like here's the, I think the the financial literacy thing is it's big to me because if it's not addressed, it could kill you, like mm -hmm. financially. Like, so you take a, a kid 
And let's say average student loan debt right now is about $100,000, right? Right. Uh, for a four-year degree. Now they come out of school with a, with a $100,000 debt. They, get a, they land a job. Now they go finance a car. And they go finance a house. So now you got all this debt. And then you're going to be paying this joint for the next, what, 30, 40 years? Mm-hmm. You know? And then every five or seven years, you go and buy another car through financing. So for me... Um, I think, I don't know when it was, maybe when I was like 27, maybe 29 was when I was, I really looked at it. And I said, yo, I got to end the cycle somewhere. You know, I got to stop, let's stop the bleeding and then just focus on paying off all this debt. You know, so like all the cars that we buy now is cash. And I ain't saying that we, we over here <laughs> driving Maseratis and Bugatti. I heard that. He out here driving around <laughs> and, and all these and stuff and paying straight cash, homeboy. Yeah, I mean, not yet. <laughs> Not yet, but the, the point is, like, it's it's slowly. So you know, you don't go if you don't got thirty thousand dollars. Why are you buying a thirty thousand dollar car, right? Yeah. Like, my mom always used to say, "Cut your coat according to your size." You know, so like, oh shit, you see what I'm saying? That might, that might, I'm, that might need to be the title of this uh, episode. <laughs> cut your coat. Let me let me write that shit down. Right, All right go ahead, okay. man. Like, cut your coat according to your size. I like that. <laughs> All right, go ahead, my man. Nah, so like it is so I say that to say like all you have all this debt and then when you finally realize it, like and you do the numbers, you're gonna be in debt for the next 30, 40 years. Mm-hmm. That ain't gonna be my life. Because then it's gonna be a cycle. It happens to your kids and then their kids and then their kids. I feel like for me, I put that I put that burden and that that I put it on my back. And I said, I'm gonna be the one that gets my family out of this this generational curse as i look at it uh financial literacy and and debt like i'm breaking that you know um and it's so crazy to me because the people that you know i grew up with and i talked to they're like yo how do you buy a car without without a loan i'm like cash <laughs> you see what i'm saying <laughs> like but it's, it's so yeah it's so far-fetched <laughs> because that's what we've been drilled down on us yep. you need a loan you know a car loan to buy a, a, a car you need a house a mortgage to buy a house, things like that. But um, like I'm trying to buy a car the same way I just go out here and buy some tennis shoes. Just give them the cash and give me what I want, <laughs> and then leave me the hell alone. Yeah, man. <laughs> yeah. But now, when it comes down to debt, there is a good place for debt, though. You see what I'm saying? Like, yeah, I love using debt for business. Like, if I if I know that I'm going to make money and I'm going, I know what the returns are, then I can it's more of a, a wisdom thing. If you're going to give me, let's use the hundred thousand again. If you're going to give me a hundred thousand dollars and I got to pay you, you know, let's say a thousand dollars a month for the next 30 years. And I could take that hundred thousand and put it into something that's going to pay me $2,000 a month or a thousand five hundred. That's a no brainer to me. It's almost mm-hmm. like free money. Like you giving mm-hmm. me money so I can go flip it. <laughs> yeah, giving me money so I can invest it, and I'm gonna make more than what I have to pay you back. That's that's business to me. You see what I'm saying? But um, but yeah. Well, dope. Um, that was a great little finance conversation. Wasn't expecting that, and uh, I appreciate that. Um, so, what are like? Could you say are the three biggest myths that people have when it comes to like money or finances or business? Any of like. What's three myths? Three myths. Let's see. All right, I take a minute. Um, I'm hearing a background noise. That's coming from my side. 
Yes, yes, sir. Let's see some. So the three myths, I'll say one myth is about credit. Um, you don't need to wait seven years or wait for these things to randomly fall off your credit. Like you could act actively fix your credit yourself um, or find a, a reliable credit repair company to fix your credit, like to get these negative items off your report. So that's one thing. Um, two, it's really about debt. Like, I think people misunderstand what the, the difference is between good debt and bad debt. Like there is good debt and there's bad debt. Um, and the way I define good debt is any, any debt that, that brings in positive revenue for you, a positive, re you know, positive revenue, positive cash flow to you. Yeah. So for me, a primary home that you live in is not good debt. That's bad debt. Because every money you every month you're paying money out to this asset, like it's it's taking money away from you. And then um, the third so hold on, so something then on the opposite end, something that keeps giving you money on a monthly basis or whatever basis, as opposed to like a house, so you're just constantly putting money into it, paying bills every week, every month, and all that. Correct. Like uh, so, a rental property. So okay. Like if, you, if you took out a mortgage and you, um, if you took out a loan and you bought a rental property and you have renters in there, and they're paying you to live in the property, that's that's uh, that's good debt. Okay. Uh, cash flow. Um, and then I think the other thing, maybe about finances, is is really about cash flow. Like again, I'm not. I don't knock either one. I don't knock entrepreneurship, business owners. I don't knock people who have a nine to five. And I think that's the new wave is to knock the, the, the nine to five and say, yo, you're working for the man. You need to get mm -hmm. out of here. Hey, working for, working a job actually builds certain things in you so that you can make that transition, right? So for me, it's all about cash flow. If somebody today said, yo, I would pay you $500,000 to come work for me and to get these things accomplished, I'd be like, okay, I'm gonna have to wait. Like, let me look at my business. Let me look at this opportunity. You know, can I structure my business in a way where it, it, it doesn't need me as much, you know, and, and go do this other thing. So it's really about cash flow. Like how much cash are you bringing into your household? You know, and how much are you spending? Um, so I guess- Are you bringing in more than you're spending? Cause you trying to keep up with the Joneses, you eventually gonna move in with the Joneses. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think they're gonna let you move in though. Yeah, right, and the Joneses over there struggling as well. Cause who knew the Johnsons was lying? Is the Joneses was lying and stuff too? Like we thought the Joneses had more money, and they just out here an illusion. Like social media is all an illusion, y'all. It's all an illusion. Like I looked up where that came from. Like keeping up with the Joneses. Uh, yeah. Like apparently, I don't know when it was, but it was back in the day. Um, there was that a couple called the Joneses, and in a specific area. They were all making around the same amount. Like so, back in the day, you know, if you lived in a specific area, everyone in that same area makes the same, you know. And when the the Joneses used to get like a, let's say they got a new car, everybody else in the neighborhood would get a new car. If they got like a, a microwave or a new electronic, everybody would get the new electronic. So you keeping up with the Joneses, but it made sense because the Joneses all like everyone in that neighborhood made a, a roughly amount around the same household income. Now the Joneses is in the internet. 
Like you see people, like especially these internet marketers, like they'll have <laughs> it's so crazy. Like they'll have like the the car, the Ferrari in the background, mm -hmm. and they're like, you know, and then they're talking about their business, and I'm like, why do you need a Ferrari? Social proof because that's what, what does the Ferrari have to do with your business? <laughs> <laughs> so I guess it's like, oh, I made enough to buy this thing, but meanwhile they're probably renting it, you know, or leasing it for the video, and you know, I know one of these people. Right, and they said that their their cost per lead decreased. They had they did a test. They had a video um, where they they just talked about their business. They had a regular marketing ad, and I think their cost per lead, um, like that's how much a lead cost for them to acquire, was like seven bucks. They had the 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 fancy car in there, same video, and the cost per lead decreased like four bucks. Wow, you know, so it's like, I mean, it it's. It works, so they do it. <laughs> that it, and that's what it's like when you get on YouTube and you're going to watch whatever video, and then the little ad comes in, and it's a person in front of a swimming pool at a mansion, some food, and some ladies in the background. Everybody's in bathing suits. And they're like, "I built my business over the last couple of years doing these few short tips." And right before they give the first tip, it ends, and it's like, "Do you want to continue watching this video?" And then you click it once, and then it's popping up every time you get on there, and it's like. First of all, tell me what your business is already. Like, if if it's really a dope business, all you got to do is lead with the name. Like, you see all the top companies. <laughs> Netflix comes on. Netflix just Netflix. They don't have all that extra bells and whistles. Apple just says Apple. It's not all those bells and whistles to grab your attention. They know, oh, what I'm doing already is dope. So I don't have to do all this extra stuff to get you to pay attention to me. Yeah, and I think um, maybe this might be, yeah, another myth I guess I would add is, the get rich quick schemes, right? I personally do believe that you can get rich quick, right? I, I do believe that, but I don't believe that you can get wealthy quick. Correct. Right? So like you can make, you know, 10, 15, 100, $300,000, $400,000 off of one deal. And if you do that over and over, you, you're getting rich, right? That That's a lot of money. But to be wealthy, it's it's a different level. Right. Like to me, wealthy is defined as the ability to live off of your income or the cash that you have and your assets for an X amount of time. So if you can do that for a year, then you're one year wealthy. If you can do it for 10 years, you're 10 years wealthy. Mm. You know, some people like Bill Gates could do it for, for generations. <laughs> he has generational wealth. Right. So like that's the, that's the thing. The get rich quick schemes versus get wealthy schemes. You really have to understand the difference between the two, you know, and just work at it. Yeah, because you can uh you can lose being rich within a summer and a bad and a bad spending habit. Like you can lose all your if you are like especially like young athletes, young artists or whatever, especially males, lose you can lose all that money quickly over just chasing women, over a drug habit, over whatever you addicted to. You can lose all of that quick as hell. Wealth, it takes a little bit longer uh to lose. It also takes a little bit longer to gain, but it's yeah, like yeah. uh it's it's like when you think about like food that sticks to you, like you can get this hot pocket, put in the microwave and it's ready in, in 180 seconds. Yeah. And it's fine. And it's going to taste okay at the time, but you're going to be hungry again in, in an hour, but you take your time and cook a real Sunday dinner. You, you, you're going to be good for the rest of the night. Yeah. <laughs> you're going to be good for the rest of the night. All right. We're going to take a little break. We're going to end this segment here and then uh we'll come back for uh for the second segment. All right, we'll be right back. We're gonna do an ad and here we go. Ladies, are you in need of a boo for the holidays? 
Tired of your family asking questions? Tired of not having someone to take the trash out or kill bugs? Well, Southside Enterprises is here to quell any frustrations. Search through our extensive library of eligible bachelors who are here to put an end to your annoying family members in lonely evenings. We have everything you need. Short, tall, dad bod, muscle bod, rappers, party promoters, entrepreneurs, whatever you need. Head on over to southsidegizaboo.com to find your boo for the holiday. We look forward to pairing you with the right boo for you. Consistency or consistent in terms of like one every two weeks, like a video or podcast that that that's it gives your audience something to expect. You know, like we look forward to seeing you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're just talking about consistency, y'all, and how like just having consistency with your business or whatever little hustle, creative, creative project you have, whatever. When you have that audience, it's great. But as soon as you stop being consistent, they get tired of like waiting for you. And when I wonder, is he going to jump another episode? Well, here we go. Two weeks now, three weeks now. And then depending on how big you are, it could be three weeks. It could be 13 weeks. But eventually they're like, you know, what? I'm going to stop checking for them. And now in the age of algorithm, that will really mess it up as well. Because the moment you stop popping up on their timeline, you just not on their timeline for a long time again. And it's hard to build all of that up. Consistency really with anything is the most important thing. I think consistency with your business, consistency with exercise, uh, being disciplined, consistency with uh, your kids, with your wife, with eating healthy, waking up at a certain time, like you can teach, like you can literally teach your body to wake up around the same time every single day, which is a gift and a curse. Cause yeah, I be yeah. wanting some of them Saturdays to sleep in, but I can't sleep past, it's getting, early. the older I get, it's getting earlier and earlier. Like <laughs> I was, I remember I used to be mad that I would wake up at 9 a.m. every Saturday. And I wish sometimes I woke up at 9 a.m. Now and it's, and then it got up to about 8.30, 8.15. Yeah. Then yeah. got up to eight. And now I'm sitting at like 7.30, 7.45, bro. I don't know the last time I slept past 8 a.m. and 7.45. Um, yeah, I can't remember the last time I slept past 8, 8.45. Um, I usually wake up like super early and then I'll take a nap. <laughs> That's the only way that I wake up. I'll be doing that. I, I do that all the time, bro. I wake up about 6.30, yeah. be up and then take a nap at like 11 a.m., <laughs> 10.30 or something. Because I hate the people who, like... Social media then just got people's minds all over the place. Now they shame people for taking naps. And I'm like, y'all crazy. If I get time to take a nap, yeah, William's going to take a nap, bro. I don't know what they're shaming people for. Like, whatever works for you, as long as it doesn't hurt your employer or hurt what your, you know, your business or whatever. Right. Because um, ain't nobody looking for me. Like, if I don't, <laughs> like, if I don't take a nap <laughs> and next thing you know, I got bags on my eyes, you know, like... Ain't nobody gonna come be like, oh, Lewis, you know, oh, just rest, man. We take care of your bills. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> we pay, you know, we pay your rent this month, man. Don't worry about it. Right. <laughs> Hell no. What's the um? When was like? Can you remember one of the first times you realized, damn, I'm at, I'm getting older now? Like, what's something that big? Cause like, I get those on a daily basis since I supervise and and do college, uh, student development in, uni in colleges or whatever. So I get reminded on a daily basis. Now, especially, it didn't really start happening until probably 20, probably when I moved to Atlanta around the 2019, because that was when I had the largest age gap between me and them college freshmen. So now I'm 33 
and I'm talking to 18 and 19 year olds on a day, like talking to people born in the 2000s on a daily basis is wild, bro. Like they don't know so much and I get it, but it's so weird. Like I had a student I'm talking to, she didn't know who Jodeci was. And it like, she just never even heard the word. Like the word Jodeci was like a brand new word. We just created some slang last week. She's like, what is a- What's a Jodeci? Right. <laughs> is that a book in the Bible? <laughs> Jodeci 413 says, <laughs> but she was so confused and it just reminded me, oh yeah, it's, it's a different era now. So things like that. Or when I just wake up and something hurts. Yeah. <laughs> now that I don't put on a few pounds, man, like since, you know, since my, my days of um, like pre-marriage. <laughs> <laughs> so that's not a myth. You really do put on that weight. A lot of times you get married. Yeah, I think especially if you're not disciplined, yeah. Like if you're yeah. not disciplined, you know, I eat when I eat, I eat when she eat, I eat when the baby eat. You see what I'm saying? So, <laughs> and, and you know, I'm happy. You see what I'm saying? Right. You're on that happy weight, and then you start to take things for granted. Because like before I had met uh, my wife, I weighed. It was like five months before I met my wife. My wife, I weighed 265 pounds. Right, I met her. I think that's when I, before I met her, I decided like to start losing weight. Yeah. So <laughs> I had tried losing weight before. And for me, it's either all or nothing. So mm. I said, yo, if this don't work, I'm just stay fat for the rest of my life. <laughs> I'm be Rick Ross for the rest of my life. That's what I said. I'm going to eat one chicken breast a day. That's it. I'm going to eat one chicken breast a day. And I'm going to wake up every morning and run from my house to the end of the end of the street, the highway, and then run back. I don't know how many miles that was at the time, but I went back and you know, counted it, and it was about three and a half miles. Mm. So I was doing that every day, and I was eating one chicken breast. Man, the first <laughs> the first two weeks was tough. I bet. Man, but I had started that, and then like maybe two weeks later, I was on um, a business trip uh, for like giving a, a speaking engagement for real estate, like how to get started in real estate with no, yeah. no cash, just credit. And that's when I met Trendy. So I weighed 265, and then when I met her, I probably weighed about 250, right? So I lost like 15 pounds in two weeks. You was feeling good, too. Oh, man, I was feeling good. <laughs> you know, three months later, you know, we were talking on the phone or whatnot, Then three months later, I went down to Florida to see her. When I went down to Florida to see her, I weighed 225 pounds, man. Oh, shit. So I went from 265 to 225 in a matter of three months, and I had kept all that weight off uh, up until after we got married. How tall are you and how tall are you? Six feet. Okay. Yeah. So six feet. And um, so it I was like, hey, the experiment worked. If you eat less, <laughs> <laughs> if you eat less, if you eat less, <laughs> you see what I'm saying? <laughs> wise words, wise words from a decent man. Look, look, yeah. y'all. I don't know everything, but I know this to lose weight. If you eat less, <laughs> hey, that's it's so true though. People, people be like counting calories. They're like, oh, do I go on a protein or do a high carb, low, you know, all this. Hey, listen, if you eat less, mm -hmm. if you take in less calories, then you actually um, consume, are, are yeah, consume, lose more calories than you're consuming. Yeah, exactly. You're gonna lose weight, and then you know, I end up like again, it's a discipline thing. So I got focused on. The marriage i got focused on you know just having fun focused yeah. on building the business uh while also working 
you know, while trying to pay for a marriage, you know, while trying to pay for an engagement ring and all this other stuff. Uh, so then I started gaining weight. And all of that to say, those are all excuses, you know? Mm-hmm. So now I'm, I'm of, okay, how am I going to lose all this, you know, and, and get um, not only mentally in the right place, but physically as well. Yep. It's so true, though, because it literally, it really is all excuses because it's like we convince ourselves in our head if we just keep finding all these reasons why life is so hard and why I am, why I am the way I am. Well, I'm fat because like it's not fair that I'm fat and it may not be because like life gets her where you your focus just gets on all these different things. Yeah. And yeah, or you maybe had a you broke your ankle. So then you can't go running or whatever. Yes. But the world does not care about why you just need to get it done. And like when I lived in Florida, I was so disciplined and very consistent. Like I, I mean, when I first got to Florida, I'm seeing everybody walking around in tank tops and shorts and stuff. I said, shoot, I want to I want to look good. Doing look like that. That. So yeah. shit. I was like, because, well, before that, right before I moved there, I started losing weight and this was in grad school. And I remember it was re- right after me and my girlfriend broke up. And I never forget, I uh, saw a picture of myself and I looked at it and I said, who am I to want a woman who's in shape and goes to the gym, but I don't represent that whatsoever. And I was just disgusted in myself. I'm like, bro, I'm fat as hell. I gotta do something about this. So I'm like, bro, no lie. I immediately cold turkey. I didn't for seven months, no fried food, no cheese, no bread, no uh, pop, no sugary drinks. No, uh, no Alfredo, none of the white sauce pasta or anything like that, but I gave up all of that. And then pretty much I ate salmon, fish, chicken breast, smoothies, turkey sandwiches, um, all of that. And, and that I did that for seven and then no alcohol for seven months as well. I was like, no alcohol or anything. I was so disciplined. Then I was like two days a week, I would work out twice a day. Like I was not playing. And by the time I moved to Florida, I had lost 30 pounds because I looked on the scale at my heaviest. First of all, I'm 5'7". I was 274 at one point. 274. Yeah, I didn't. And then I got all the way down to at one point in Florida, I was, bro. <laughs> my cheeks was, boy, I was, I was thick, bro. <laughs> but I got, I went down from 274 all the way down to 183. I got all the way down to 183. I basically lost some little white girls. Like 90, 90 something pounds. Yeah, yeah. I lost like I lost at my at the most, I lost 91, 92 pounds at my most. Man, congratulations. Thank you, brother. And I realized it feels so much better being smaller. Like this shit feels good as hell. You know. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, this feels good, but yeah, I gave so. I say that to say I was so consistent and I was disciplined even when I and when I got to Florida. And then when I made the transition to Atlanta, it was a lot. Like the months leading up to it, I was traveling a lot for uh went to like my sister's wedding. And then I was going on job interviews to like traveling to Nashville and Atlanta and Dallas and just all these different places. So I'm doing all that traveling. Then I get a job and then I'm worried about moving. So I wasn't working out as much. And then you know when you travel. I'm going to just eat this burger real quick. I'm going to eat this fried chicken sandwich or whatever because I'm on the road and I'm traveling. I can't cook or anything. And you get comfortable. Then then I moved to Atlanta and just trying to navigate the city and trying to figure everything out. Then finally, when I got to a good place, I was only here six months or like five months before the pandemic hit. 
And then the pandemic hit, so now the gyms are closed. I I don't get to walk around camp. Like I've, I did, I underestimated the amount of like steps I get just walking around a college campus because I'm walking around a lot. Yeah, and I think um, I'm gonna add another myth. This is not a financial myth, or maybe it can be. It's um, it's it's like one you can't do it. Like that is a myth. And the other thing is you don't choose. Like you don't have a choice. That's a big myth, right? Everyone that's fat, everyone that's overweight, and and they don't want to be, they chose to be that way. You see what I'm saying? Like outside of any medical disease or anything like that, we choose what we want. Mm-hmm. I never seen a hamburger get up and jump into somebody's mouth. It hey, ain't you, for me. It just, <laughs> now you gonna eat me, Will? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> you see what I'm saying? So like when when we talk, I talked about discipline and consistency, but also we have to help our discipline when i had lost all that weight and you probably did it too i'm pretty sure that you didn't have alcohol in the house you know like i just wouldn't buy it yep right so for me it's a little difficult for me now because i can't do what i did before i literally didn't have anything in my fridge except for chicken breast (laughs) you and these chicken breasts bro (laughs) hey that's 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 what it was they said said, what one chicken breast (laughs) one So I would have like chicken breast and probably like, um, I forgot the, the vegetable I use, probably broccoli. So chicken breast and broccoli. Like if you looked at my fridge, you thought like I was real poor. I mean, I probably was still. <laughs> right. Like all I had was chicken breast and, and broccoli and water in my fridge. That's it. You know, if I would have had like cereal and cheesecake mm-hmm. and all this other stuff, it would have been tempting. But if you remove those things from your vicinity, like you don't have to be disciplined on the things that you remove you know, out of your vicinity. Yep. You know, so that's, it's, it's really setting up your, yourself for success. And it's dope because, I'm sorry, go ahead, go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. Well, I was going to say it's dope because, yes, like, like you said, I removed all those things out of my kitchen just so I wouldn't even be tempted by it because, you know, especially at the beginning, the flesh is weak. So if it's, if there's, if there was going to be some chicken wings in my refrigerator, I'm going to eat that. Like I was gonna eat all of that, so I wouldn't buy. Bad, right, right, and that's part. But that'd be part of it. Like, well, I don't want to waste it. You know, what I'm saying? like, waste not, won't not, baby. Yeah, exactly. uh, wait a minute, waste not, won't not. Jadacy four thirteen, <laughs> as we said, <laughs> Jodacy Jadacy yeah, four thirteen. Waste not, won't not. But I wasn't gonna even like, and that might, and it's funny, but this as part of it, like, well, I don't want to waste this. Let me, uh, let me eat this or whatever. So then I just didn't have it in there, and then I got to a point where. I was I was strong enough that even if it was in there, I can say no to it. And my coworkers would think it would be so wild. Like every time somebody brings donuts to work, or they got sweets and stuff, or we'd have a luncheon with all these fried foods and all that. And I'm over here like, nah, I'm good. And it didn't bother me at all. And they're just like, how, like, bro, how are you just saying no all the time? I'm like, I'm, and they're like, well, what are you gonna eat for lunch? And I'm like, well, I got some, uh, some. Uh, rice and beans and some broccoli and some yogurt and carrots in there and I'm like that's what you're gonna eat I'm like yeah because I knew that like I, I would literally not eat meat with breakfast or lunch no meat or anything yeah, yeah. and then just eat it with dinner because I knew like I'm gonna want this and I know that there's certain things that I'm gonna want and I wasn't gonna give up like then when I got back to my regular lifestyle I'm like I like to have a drink here and there I like to drink margaritas I like chicken wings and no, I found ways to not fry it. So I didn't have all that grease and oil and stuff, but I like these certain things. So I was willing to sacrifice in all those other areas. I made sure 
I'm gonna work out five days a week and I'm gonna drink water all day throughout the week so that when the weekend gets here or the evening gets here, I can eat a little bit more of what I want. But then you, you just get strong enough. And I like what you said, because like a lot of times with the whole choice thing, like we choose what we want. Mm-hmm. And I think it was T. Harv Ecker that said, people don't get what they want because they don't know what they want. Right? <laughs> yeah. So, and you use the word sacrifice. We are always sacrificing something, mm-hmm. right? So if you become intentional on what you are sacrificing, then it becomes clearer on how to actually achieve your goals or how to achieve what you want. But just know that like people say, oh, I'm not willing to sacrifice this. It's a choice. Mm-hmm. You, know, I'm, you know, for over the past couple of years, I wasn't willing to sacrifice the taste of that food, you know, because, hey, it tastes good. So, yeah. <laughs> but then I sacrificed good health. You know, and, and mm-hmm. being, you know, I sacrificed my six pack. It's all gone now. I mean, right. <laughs> yeah. I and the older we get, it's harder to get it back. <laughs> I tell my wife a lot that uh, it got stuck in the mail. <laughs> it's on the way. Don't worry. It's on the way. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, for me, I, I choose to sacrifice the now for the future. Um, and this is getting back to the business and back to financials and stuff like that. That's why I'm unwilling to take out a loan because I know that that is going to eat my future. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Um, now I just got to get into that mentality when it comes to the health part as well. Like the food ain't that good. <laughs> right. <laughs> and it's crazy because all, all I used to hear is like, dads don't work. Dads don't work. It's a lifestyle change, lifestyle change. And it's so true. Like a diet only works like I'm trying to fit into the these pants for this event, for this banquet. And then I'm good. Like, okay, if that's all you're trying to do just for that moment, yeah, do that. But diet, that doesn't, that's not a lifestyle for you. Like it really was a lifestyle change. Now for me, like I never went back to sweets. Now I don't even have a taste for sweets anymore. I don't have a taste. Yeah, I never went back. Like, I started my whole weight loss journey in 2012, bro. So you didn't gain that weight back? No, I've never gained it back. Like, so the biggest I got was through the pandemic. So like I said, I was at 274 is my largest. The smallest I got down is 183. But then I realized I operate the best between, I want to be between 186, 190. That's where I operate the best because I am like a stockier guy as well. But but I never went back to the sweet. I never went back to the sugary juices and all of that. I never went back to candy to like, uh, like back in the day, bro, I used to eat my midnight snack was a bowl of cereal or I would sit on potatoes, like potato chips, bowls of cereal. I loved brownies, gummy worms, ice cream, and pop. I haven't had, bro, I haven't had ice cream in 2021. And here we are in December. What you say? What's a pop? Nigga, you... <laughs> You know what pop is. You're trying to be funny. It's it's soda. It's soda, as you all would say up there. You know what? You know what the hell I was saying. <laughs> Give me y'all got orange pop. Orange yeah, pop. Yeah. So I'm from but, I'm from the I'm from the north. So you know when I had met my wife, I used to come down to to Florida to visit her a lot. Who uh real quick y'all um his wife she's originally from Kentucky just to throw that out there but she lived in Florida the same time when I was living in Florida just to give a background yeah so like when I went to visit her um that's when I started my journey on on getting the weight back up because we used to man like I ain't never had sweet tea like down south 
Like, <laughs> I thought I had sweet tea up, up north, but when I came down south, I'm drinking sweet tea, and I'm like, what is this? It's like, different. It's different, man. <laughs> <laughs> Correct. The oh, lemonade and the sweet tea a little bit sweeter down here. <laughs> man, I'm telling you, the sweet tea. Bruh, I have, I remember I had friends in college. This is when I knew I, in college and when I first moved to Florida is when I knew that it's levels to this Southern stuff, to being in the country and all that. Because they always tell, like, for you, me being from Louisville, that's country to you. But there's levels to this where the like Trinity, she's way like where she grew up is way more country and southern than where I grew up. And then you get down to Alabama, Mississippi, Florida, all those places, it's way different. And I remember in uh, college, especially my friends from Tennessee and stuff, they make Kool-Aid. The Kool-Aid, they put so much sugar in there, like you got to drink it with a spoon. Bro, it's diabetes in a cup. Why are you drinking this sweet monstrosity? Like, what the hell? Yeah, see, I don't even want to talk about Kool-Aid, man. Because, like, what, uh, that was one of the conversations I had with my wife and also uh, my pastor friend, Austin. They were talking about, because we were talking about a concept in Christianity. And he was like, oh, it's like when it's like when you put, you got the water and then you put Kool-Aid in and then you put the sugar in there. I'm like, sugar? What you put the sugar in there for? So like, Wait a minute, hold on. Did you not? I'm sorry, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, so up north... <laughs> The sugar already, the Kool Aid already has sugar in it, so there is no reason to put sugar. There, like, w- that wouldn't be enough for folk in the south. They still go add that sugar. <laughs> yeah, so like he he then explained to me like, yo, you need to take the water, put the Kool Aid and the sugar <laughs> into to turn it up. So I's like, what is the point? Like, is that just food coloring? Like that's changing the water? He's like, I, I guess so, basically. I was like, oh okay. <laughs> he said, like, why are y'all putting more sugar in there? That's wow. <laughs> yeah. Well, speaking on that. What's like something different, like maybe you've seen from now, like being with Trinity and she's from the South, you're from up North. Are there like certain things that you've seen from folk from the South that you're like, well, I did not know that or never ate this food or just some kind of something culture wise. I got to take a second and think about that. Cause like I had been living here so long yeah. and been with us so long. If you were to ask me that when I first moved down, I'd have been like, oh yeah. One thing that I could remember was when I came down and um, to, to Florida, I had went to go walk the dogs and it was at nighttime. I opened the door. All I heard was <laughs> it's something, something like that. And I'm like, like cicadas. Dude, it sounded like like I don't know how to reenact the, the sound. I'm like, Trini, what is that? I didn't want to go outside. And she was like, what's what? I'm like, you don't hear that? She's like, nah, it took her like two minutes to figure out. Like I was talking about the, the insects, the cicadas, probably, (laughs) I guess so. Well, whatever it is, like it just sounded so loud. I'm like, y'all got some real animals down here, man. (laughs) Like it was the first time I seen an armadillo. I was like, I thought that was a Pokemon for real. Where were you? (laughs) Where'd you, where'd you see armadillo? I was running in, in Florida, like Gainesville, Florida. So I was, I was running, uh, doing my little jog and. It was um that that joint was crossing the road like it was a regular animal. You see what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm like, whoa. <laughs> he said like it's a dog, like it's a dog exactly. or something crossing. <laughs> Florida different too though. Like Florida, those those bugs and the humidity are a little different. So but like that there's there's the city people, mm-hmm. there is the country people, and then there's just people from the bush. Yeah, you, you see what I'm saying? Like, there's, there's three. I think that you was talking about it, like the three levels of things. Yep. But like, man, it's country, country over here, man. 
because I might be technically from the South because Louisville's in Kentucky, but Louisville's way more city than a lot of these other places. Like I dated this girl who she ate Kool-Aid pickles. Had never heard of that shit. Have you heard of a Kool-Aid pickle? Nah. Bro, Kool-Aid pickle, like I, I learned this from my Mississippi friends. And so they hella country. Yeah, like, so a lot of people eat them in different ways. There's one way where you can make the Kool-Aid and you just sit the pickles in the Kool-Aid and let it soak up the Kool-Aid. Wow. Or you pour the Kool-Aid, uh, pour the Kool-Aid packet just over the pickle and then you bite it and you just pour it a little bit over the top, bite it, do it that way. There's so many different ways. Like, have you heard of Kool-Aid pie? Nope. Yep, that's the thing. I bet Trinity's heard of Kool-Aid pie now. Like yeah, Kool-Aid it's It's sweet as hell. Yeah, like I come to find out, like y'all fry everything down here, man. Have you had fried Oreos? Nah, I've heard of it. I haven't had fried Oreos. Have you had fried water? <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> fried water? Yeah, fried water. Yeah, I learned from my wife's side of the family. They be frying water on Thanksgiving. <laughs> Hell no. <laughs> I'm just imagining somebody trying that. Pouring it into a little brownie spin, a brownie pan, and pouring the water in there. Uh, don't forget the oil. Put the oil in there and some sugar, and you just frying some sugar water. Some sugar water. I wouldn't be surprised if that was a thing. Uh, Seven Up Cake. Have you had that? Mm-mm. Oh yeah, Seven Up Cake is a thing. Have you been to Louisville during the Kentucky Derby? Not yet. Oh, you got experience. Y'all can't see, uh, you got a. Uh,